0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: hey
2: welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show. Coming to you live from Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is Herb. Lawrence, Hello. you can follow him at EchnerWall23, he's our CHGO White Sox community leader, we're being produced today by Stephen Nicholas, you got a shirt over there?
3: I do, I went to the White Sox game and thank you to Chris and uh, his family for inviting me over, uh, Twitchy, uh, got me a winning ugly 1983 Celebration shirt, why don't it's, you a ri- put it, it's a nice why ringer yeah, t-shirt. Why
2: do just lay it out here, well, so there's some people, aka Fred, people, uh, can see. Uh, shout out to Fred for hanging out with He's us. Got in a the ringer chat. Tea. It's uh, nice. People are probably be- bemoaning the uh, Bears' loss uh, right now. So, uh, not celebrating the 40th anniversary of the winning ugly team, uh, the 1983 AL West champions. Uh, but Tony Larusa was there. You yep. were there. Twitchy was there. Tony Larusa was there. Harold Baines was there. Ron, Ron, Ron Kittle, Kittle is always there. there. I think Ron making Kittle benches lives and balls there. and shit. Um, or benches out of bats and balls. I was going to say patches. Who's patches? Uh oh, well, Houlihan. No, I know, but uh the guy, uh, Tom Pachoric. Oh, Squimpy. Wimpy, wimpy. I was gonna call him Patches. <laughs> Who's Patches? <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I don't know how to fold a T-shirt. Uh, anyways, we're coming to you live after a four nothing loss. Most people are bemo- bemoaning the Bears' loss right now, uh, twenty seven to seventeen uh, to the Bucks. But hey, we got to be here for you covering the White Sox twenty twenty three fall. To 90 or to 100 losses. Uh, they fall to 57 and 93 on the year, and uh, Fred calls them the bad news bears of the MOB. They keep trucking to 100 losses. Uh, now I think they need to go 8 and 7 in their last 15 to avoid um,
3: 100 losses, which just ain't good. Good luck. Yeah, yeah that's going to be tough for them. Just a bad showing all weekend long. Minnesota Twins, they're not that good, but they're the cream of the AL Central. And took it to the White Sox once again. At least the White Sox grabbed one game, luckily. And now they're just going to go to this long dredge of the rest of the season. Trying to avoid 100 losses, but does it really matter? We know it's a horrible team. I think, yeah, in history, when we call back this team and we say, this is part of Chris Getz slash Rick Hawn slash Kenny Williams-Ledger, it's like, that 100 loss team? Man, that was a bad Horrible team that wasn't supposed to be as such.
2: Yes, and somehow, Pedro Griffal is talking about them competing in 2024. Uh, we're going to uh, get to that. Mm. And then Vinny Duber wrote about Michael Kopech, so we're going to get to that why? as
3: well. Vinny Duber's gonna Not why we're doing that, but why is he on your our team? team?
2: Golly. What? Pedro. He's, yeah, he's just here. And he's going to be here next year, too. So just
1: yelling and he's such. He's here for the culture.
2: Well, and people don't want to listen to him, and that's basically what this quote is. And what we're gonna play for people is, but uh, I'm 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 real sick of hearing him talk. Oh yeah. Uh, but real quick, uh, twelve games left, so Sox need to go six and six in their last twelve to avoid a hundred losses. So if they go five and seven, that's a hundred losses. They go anything worse, that's a hundred plus losses.
3: Going on, on the road to the Nationals,
2: three games there. And then three at Boston, three at Boston, six at home versus the NL West, three against Arizona, three against San Diego. Arizona's fighting for. Can a they wild get card.
3: six wins out of that, Sean? They're losing all three to Arizona. Oh yeah, God, they they wrecked the Cubs this weekend. I mean, still got a game tonight and last weekend too. Golly, the Arizona Diamondbacks getting the Cubs out of the playoffs. Get on up there, but and the Padres won't give a goddamn at the end of the year. No one will. So six wins, maybe maybe get two out of three from uh, Washington. No, get one from Boston. I get get two from uh two from uh, San Diego and maybe get one from Arizona.
2: I think Washington six. sweeps them. I think mm-hmm. Arizona sweeps them. Okay. And I think they, I, I, I think they win two of their next twelve. Wow.
3: I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. This team has given up. Doesn't believe in the manager, even though he's coming back. And today they they put out one of the worst lineups I've seen in a while. It's a Sunday lineup. No Tim Anderson, no Yohan Mancata, no Luis Robert Jr. Results are what you get for nothing.
2: Dylan C's pitched all right. He was fine. Uh, Let's go to the Dylan stuff just so people can know what's going on with their really only pitcher for 2024 when it comes to starting. Uh, And, you know, he's he's fine. Uh, He had three walks, so. You know, the stuff, the actual velocity and the spin is fine. It's not down. And especially late in the season, you just wonder, like, how much is his gas tank hanging on there? I think Dylan would be fine if this team was in the playoffs, like, at least gas tank wise. Um, the results just aren't there. And you could show that next, to Stephen. Uh, 34 swings on his four seam fastball, only four whiffs. Uh, and the m- most concerning thing is 11 swings on his slider, only two uh, whiffs on that pitch. Uh, so just. Really avoiding uh, the twins were really laying off that pitch, uh, just not really trying to let it beat them, uh, and it didn't today. Uh, pretty decency in 18 called strikes, but altogether, when you put together the 26 called strikes and whiffs, uh, it's 25% uh, called strike plus whiff percentage, which is just below league average. He wasn't sharp today, um, but at least he can make 30 starts in a season. I mean, literally, I mean that's like the the slightest. Check that we can give the White Sox this year. It's so bad. A guy can make 30 starts.
3: And I know people have brought this up uh, via via the White Sox Twitter-verse or yourself. But at the game, I was watching, like, with one eye of the White Sox game and also the Bears on the TV. You can tell when he's throwing a changeup. He slows down his delivery so much. Just shelve that. It's not effective. You only threw four of them. Why are you throwing it? And it looks like a pitch where... If you just pay attention to his body language and how he actually does his windup, um, you know when a changeup's coming. He should just either find a way to throw a proper changeup or never throw that pitch ever again because it's useless.
2: I don't know if it's completely useless because like, we saw last year when uh, he was going up against Rizzo, uh, he threw two of them. Back to back, and Rizzo knew they were coming, mm-hmm. and he just swung through them because, again, it's like it's twenty miles per hour off. It's basically not even a changeup; it's mostly an efus Yeah. Um. So I mean, I don't, I don't hate it, especially when you're. I mean, he's going up against Minnesota, so they probably know that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But it is just so drastic. Oh my god! Off of his uh actual slider fastball, that I think it's so much of a changeup that like guys really just cannot time it up. So if he's throwing it four times, it's not the most ineffective pitch. I mean, like, the biggest thing is his fastball needs to be better. Mm-hmm. I mean, 34 swings and four whiffs. That's not good, mm-hmm. especially when you're up near 97, 98. Um, you need to be able to locate that pitch near the top of the zone. You need to be able to get guys to swing through them, and he,
3: he just really isn't getting that this year. And if you watch the edouard Julien home run, uh-huh. He was waiting for a fastball, and he uppercutted that some bitch. He like you don't uppercut a high fastball usually. He's like, I know he's gonna throw me a fastball. though it. it's gonna be middle in and middle up, and I'm gonna crush it. And Edward Julian hit his 14th of the year. <laughs> a la can
2: you flash the results uh, against Stephen? Uh, just I think the the knuckle curve needs to see a little bit more of flex i mean it's always been a good pitch it's got an insane amount of spin i don't know if it hurts his arm or if there's you know some drawback on that um but it's i mean it's i think nine miles per hour slower than a slider it's about 17 miles per hour slower still than his fastball um, and it gets good results, four swings, two whiffs. Um, he was able to locate it to, uh, I think both on OO counts, which cats likes, um, and you get 34% or 31% called strike plus whiff percentage. Like if a guy's looking to uppercut a f- uh, fastball, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty easy just, or I don't know if it's pretty easy, but he was having an easy time today throwing that curveball for a strike. So I don't know if you throw a curveball on the outside of the part of the plate, you probably get Julian, uh-huh. but he got him that time. So, uh, if, you are watching. Make sure you hit the thumbs up button. Uh, we got a complaint recently that our ads were too long, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna take that into account. Uh, we are going to get through this um, not quickly. But just efficiently. Yes. We are going to tell you about the best TV service out there. If you have been looking for a way to watch the White Sox, the Cubs, MLB playoffs coming up, uh, the Bears, whether it be Red Zone, whether it be the 3 p.m. games, whether it be the 7 o'clock games, Fubo TV is your place to stream live TV from any device. I did it from my TV yesterday to watch college football. Then I streamed it from my phone. You know, we could stream it here off of a computer. Um, it, it's just perfect. Uh, you can watch local teams while traveling as well if that's uh, important to you, but most importantly, you can watch the most Chicago sports for the lowest price, and you can start watching immediately with a free trial at fubotv.com chgo. There's no contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching, and if you miss a game, if you want to catch up on a game, if you want to go back and see uh, Eduardo Julian mm-hmm. uh, uppercut a home run, they have a 1,000 hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge. Um, again, you got The end of the White Sox season (laughs) to watch. You got uh, 15 more Bears games to watch. Uh, You got Red Zone to watch. Trying to sell this, brother. uh, 3 p.m. games (laughs) coming up. (laughs) And a good college football week coming up uh, on Saturday. Oh, man. Uh, College football is so great. What is it alabama no ohio state and notre dame come mm-hmm. on that should be good uh watch your favorite college football and the nfl with fubo go to www.fubotv.com chgo to sign up for 15 percent off your first month of fubo pro thank you to fubo um and it is truly uh the best tv su- service i was gonna say the c word uh, uh c-a-b-l-e uh, yes I don't get your mind out of the gutter, Stephen. What the hell do you think I'm going <laughs> to say? We're an read like, about like, Fubo. Oh, mercy, <laughs> TV service. Oh, it's the best TV God. service out there. <laughs> Head out of the damn gutter. Um, all right. Speaking of people with their heads in the gutter, Pedro Gafol spoke. Um, mm. He was asked about, and this is a, about a four-minute cut, so bear with Pedro here. The most it kind of builds up It's kind of like a song that really, you know, it's kind of slow, kind of moody, and then it builds up kind of into a storm gets to its crescendo. It really hits its peak at the end. The question was from Merkin and it was kind of talking about young players like Colson Montgomery. I believe there was a quote Um, that we played from Nick Nostrini saying that he wanted to be on the team next year. And I think Chris Getz kind of said, you know, we love that type of attitude. That's the type of attitude that we want, I think. I could be wrong. We'll ask Vinny once he gets back on. But that was basically what the question was from Merkin to Pedro. So here's Pedro saying what he thinks or wants from players in AAA coming into spring training and what he wants the energy for spring training 2024
0: to be. If there's ever an opportunity to do that, this is it, you know? So um, my suggestion, my advice to everybody that's going to come to our camp next year in 2024, if they truly want to play in the big leagues, they got to come in with that mindset because they're going to have an opportunity to. They really are. Um, so, like I said, we share pretty, pretty similar, if not exact, vision on how we want to see this thing look like next year. Um, And it's it's pretty neat and and cool to to know that the general manager and the manager sees things the same way and the style of baseball that we want to play. And I remember him as a player, he played that style of baseball. He was a smart player that ran the base as well, and was, was consistent as consistent can be, and that's the kind of baseball he wants to see, and that's the kind of baseball I want to see. I mean, that's how... When I was in Kansas City, that's how we won championships, you know? Consistent baseball, play every day, and do whatever it takes to win a baseball game, and pitch, you know? So that's that's forward trending, you know? So, yes. If you're coming to spring training with us next year in 2024 and you really have you know goals to make a big league team you're probably not going to have a better opportunity in the 2024 White Sox so what, what makes you believe that you can turn it around in one year why wouldn't we Why wouldn't we be able to well, I just in general uh, teams that with this kind of record it takes a couple years to get that um, as a matter of fact I, I wish I would have I wish I would have seen that report uh, a little, like, clear up, a, would have dove in a little more, but there's a pretty good percentage of teams that, that have been out there that can turn it around on year. And, um, you know, so, you know, obviously it depends on the, you know, what we do this offseason, but um, I'm pretty confident. Yeah. Uh, do you expect uh, uh, the South to spend more? That. I don't think that. Number one, I haven't uh, talked to him about you know spending money, um, and that's not my place um, to you know, to dive into. That's 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 his responsibility. Him and uh, him and Jerry, I'm sure, have had those conversations and we will continue to have them. Um, but um, I expect us to be extremely active, looking for the type of players that we feel can turn this thing around a year you know and sustain it for years to come you know so but at this time and you'll hear me say this a bunch moving forward like enough with the talk nobody wants to hear the talk anymore everybody wants everybody just wants to see us win baseball games so I'm not going to sit here and promise anything or because nobody wants to hear it. they've heard it for a long long time right it, it's about us winning baseball games so until april next year you know a couple of weeks into april a couple of weeks into the season you know that's when everybody should make a you know have an opinion and make a decision on whether they like what we put on the field or not. and not. it's all going to be based on wins and losses that's that's where we're at i don't i don't think we can talk our way into anything other than winning baseball games you know at the start of next season and that's that's what you hear from me all, all, all winter long. I'm, I'm, I'm done with the, you know, um, talking about any type of core or talent or a talent on paper, I'm, I'm done with that stuff. We, we got to prove it there. And that's the only place that, that everybody in this building that comes to see us play, they want us to prove it. They don't want us to prove it in front of a microphone anymore. That doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to them. And even if I was a fan, it wouldn't mean, mean anything to me either. So we just got to prove it on the field. Sorry for a little bit of
2: plane flying over there at the end. Uh, but Pedro basically saying we can't prove it in front of a microphone anymore. We have to prove it out on the field. And if you are hanging out with us, make sure you hit the thumbs up button. We appreciate you hanging out with us, even though this team is approaching 100 losses. There's a lot of things in there that sticks out to me in that four-minute chunk. And I think the thing that makes me most queasy mm-hmm. is – When they originally brought in Pedro in Mm. November, I felt okay, wanted to give him a shot. I thought that he seemed competent. I thought that he seemed very organized. He seemed like he knew what this team needed, and that was consistent defense and consistent effort. Yep. And I, in the year less since... Mm -hmm have not seen anything that actually instills faith into Pedro Graffal. So it seems like what he is doing by saying the general manager and manager want to have the same style of play, that it is the style of play that the general manager had when he was a player, that they're going to win championships with consistent baseball like they did in Kansas City, and Paul Sullivan asked the question about, you know, what makes you so confident to bounce back in 2024? And he says, why wouldn't we? Yeah. Well, is it because of the team on paper? Is it because of how good you are at building up these types of baseball players? He says they're going to be active and looking for the type of ball players we want. Pedro Gofol is putting his entire lie, life, I will say, on the table and saying, I can fix all these players. I know what's wrong with all these players. We're going to give them regimens. We're going to be able to, you know, be militant in the offseason, making sure these players are doing work. That's fine. I have nothing to, like wrong with that, like saying that. But if this team comes out and looks like shit again, which they will, buddy, you're going to look like a fucking fraud. You are going to look stupid because you better be able to coach all these players up. You better be able to bring consistent effort because it's what you said a year ago. Like, this shit should have been happening, and your team is crawling towards 100 losses. And people thought, oh, there's no way that it could be this bad. We're 60 games in. There's no way it could be this bad. There's no way this team can win, lose 100 uh, baseball games. And here we are. There's no improvement. We see just complete decline from every player outside of Luis Robert and Yon Mancata. Mankata's been, when he's been healthy, Better. he's been fine. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give him, but like, I mean, he's barely been healthy. Yeah. I mean, what, what what are we buying into? This guy sucks. And until he proves me otherwise, which apparently I have to wait until April of next year, I'm going to continue to think he sucks. And he's got a huge hill
3: to climb up to prove to me that he doesn't suck. Yeah, and like you were bringing up with the Paul Sullivan question, Paul asked a fair question, a very fair question of, how are you going to do that? This team is 35, 36 games below 500. Terrible. Running back most of the people you got on the field right now. And he's like, mm. <laughs> taken aback by your by your questioning this terrible has team and my skills. Yeah, you haven't done anything. And like you said, this year counts on Pedro's ledger. This isn't because of somebody else did something. This number of losses is on Pedro, not anybody else. So I don't know how he's gonna fix. Aloy Jimenez, how he's going to fix Tim Anderson and all the players and have the players that played like Chris Getz. Don't. No. Chris Getz was like a one war his whole career total. <laughs> like his whole career. Just absolutely replacement level for like seven years. Not good at all. So I don't want a three bunch career of- home runs. Oh, my God. I don't want a bunch of career Chris Getzes. Give me more. Give me more of Luis Roberts. I know that's hard to say, but shoot for that one instead of the low ground of Chris Getz. Well,
2: and just to go to Jared before we pop over to Vinny in the uh, at guaranteed rate field. Uh, Jared says, uh, scroll up just a little bit. Uh, what's he supposed to say, Sean? Again, I, I'm I'm fine with him saying we can't, like, what's on paper is on paper. Like, you know, we, we have to prove it next year on the field. I'm Totally fine with him saying that. And of course, like, you know, you're 150 games into the season. I think he just wants to end and stop having media sessions uh, pregame, right? No, I so I, I get that. But it's the same thing that Rick Hahn was saying last year that they have to prove it on the field for the fans, and now Rick Hahn's fired. And now they're just saying that they have to prove it on the field again. It's a broken tape, yeah. and I'm just sick of this guy getting another chance. I'm sick of Chris Getz being the general manager, and I'm sick of the owner because this guy has done nothing to prove that he deserves to be the manager in 2024. So when he says, we got to prove it next year, no fucking shit. You're going to lose 100 games. And as Paul Sullivan writes in his article, the Sox have lost 90 more uh Games 12 times since division play began in 1969. Only one 90 plus loss Sox team gone to the playoff the postseason the following year, Ozzie Giants 2008 uh, Sox after 90 losses in 07. The 90 Sox won 94 games after losing 92 in 1989, but finished second to the Oakland A's in the American League West. Uh, Most of the rest finish under 500 the rest uh the next season. So he's got a huge hill to climb. And he's saying that, you know, we have to go out there and prove it and win. And why not? Um, Again, why wouldn't we be able to? Because you just lost 100 games. Whereas you just went 81 and 81. We thought all of those teams on paper were good enough. Yep. There wasn't enough health to get them to the end of 162. There is nothing over the past two years that, plus 300 games that has me putting any faith in this White Sox core, in this White Sox front office, in this White Sox manager, in this White Sox owner. So I don't think that any offseason is going to be able to let the White Sox bounce back and be even finishing second or better in the AL Central next year. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm,
3: I, 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 I don't blame him for saying what he said. It's just I don't know if he should be the manager. As I always ask with Rick Hahn, I'll ask of Pedro Gaffal what does he do well give me an answer anything does he do anything well anything that transcends all the badness of the team no there's everything in game you've seen multiple multiple efforts of being bad decisions and bad like thought process while he's doing it this change of uh, Michael Kopech from starter to bullpen Also bad. I know that was more of collaboration with him and Chris Katz and everybody else and Ethan Katz, but still bad. What does he do? He doesn't do anything well. So why is he coming back? Because him and Chris are like this. Tight. Two (laughs) terrible guys who don't deserve their jobs going forward to the next year. They're modeling the White Sox organization
2: in 2024 after a player they drafted in 2005. The only experience that they have is one terrible season. This one. Let's go out to Guaranteed
1: Rayfield right to our friend Vinny Duber. Hi, Vinny. Wow, guys, what a cheery, cheery, happy day you're having here. My yeah. goodness. If the Bears, the Bears. Lost,
2: if the Bears won, it would have been better. <laughs> it was the
3: Bears that caused all this.
1: I was going to say, this team has been doing this for quite some time now. I don't think they should be eliciting this sort of reaction from and you the guys. The Bears are point. following
3: the White Sox playbook. What the hell? That's not the one to follow. At least follow the Cubs one. It's a little better one. Hey, as long as Connor Bedard
2: pays off, I think we'll be fine. Um, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Uh, we've been chatting a little bit about Pedro here. We played a little bit of a five-minute chunk from what he said on Friday. Um, we haven't gotten into uh, your most recent piece at allchgo.com yet, though. Uh, Michael Kopech, Herp just touched upon it. But you talked to Michael on Friday, but then we kind of saw the true blow-up on Saturday. So I'll kind of work back before you talk, to or you know, kind of work back before we get to you talking to Michael on Friday. Um, what, what what did you make of the Saturday blow up after, you know, Kopech goes into the ninth inning and then he gets taken out after the tough outing and just we see him smashing the Gatorade bottle? right? Glove. Yeah, glove. Like, I mean, we see the complete blow up. Um, how did we get to that point?
1: I mean, he was not very good in his relief outing, right? I mean, you, if the whole thing is that you're going to distill it down to one inning, You know for the guy and give him a better chance to kind of rack up these quote unquote small wins or little victories whatever you want to call them um and then the guy goes out there in that small window and gives up four runs yeah that's not good and so uh you know it was hits it was uh it was him not getting the job done and i mean i think we talked about when the move was made to move him from the rotation to the bullpen all these people all these fans who we've been listening to all year or reading their comments all year saying put him in the bullpen he's a bullpen arm he's a bullpen arm why don't you take a look at those first inning numbers because they're not very good and then he goes out there in these one inning stints now and he's having his first innings right he's walking guys he's giving up home runs he's giving up hits he's giving up runs uh this is the same thing we've seen all year so the move to the bullpen obviously a small sample size only been out there three times but it's the same. He's fighting the same battles as he was uh, when he was in the rotation up until what a week or so ago. So,
2: yeah, and we're gonna get to Vinny's uh, exclusive sit down with uh, Kopeck uh, in just a second. A little seven minute chat between Kopeck uh, and Vinny. Uh, we're gonna tell you first about our friends over at Goose Island. Goose Island has been Chicago's beer since nineteen. 19- Eighty eight. Uh I think that we we need a Super Bowl for our friends over at Goose Island. I mean, they've been in business and there there hasn't been a single White Sox or there hasn't been a single uh Bears Super Bowl to celebrate. I mean um, not to win, but they went there. Yeah. Well that I mean what does it maybe, <laughs> If you're not first, you're last. Uh, CHGO (laughs) supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. Their beer roster includes the Beer Hug Family, the 312 Weed Ale, the Full Pocket Pills, and of course, uh, Oktoberfest, since it is this season, uh, to get, uh, you know... Spooky and uh, enjoy the fall. Uh, and you can go enjoy any of these. Uh, grab an ultra fresh brewery exclusive beer at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park, or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. Herb, you got a favorite of the ones I mentioned, or you got? I mean, you went there and you had the Sophie, right on
3: tap. I had the uh, Paloma, the uh, tequila version of okay. their. Uh, Drink, but Matilda's my favorite. There you go. All right, so go check that out uh, over either
2: in Westtown or Lincoln Park. Again, Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. Uh, quick super chat from uh, Miller 3389 uh, I can tell Kopeck isn't in a good headspace. Did you catch him throwing his glove on the dugout bench? We, we did. Uh, I know, I know. Whoops, whoops, never mind. I, yeah. um, but before we get to the point of him smashing his glove, uh, Vinny chatted with him on Friday, and you, you do hear the frustration in his voice, and you do hear... Uh, I think a a pitcher that does seem a little lost. So here is Michael Kopech um, on the move to the bullpen um, and his expectations for 2024.
4: Any, any small win for me is uh, gonna go a long way um, I think for the team it's kind of the same idea like we're we're looking to pick up as many wins as we can here on the last stretch and end on a positive note as an individual that's kind of what you're looking forward to too so um, just looking to go out there you know um, I, I saw that my velocity is upticked out of the bullpen that's a win um, I'm looking to throw more first pitch strikes more two out of three and um, so far that it's been slightly better, but I uh, still had a couple walks out of the bullpen. So i looking to you know, stay more aggressive in the zone. And, and, and that'll be a win if I can accomplish that. So um, small successes to end on a high note and kind of know the adjustments. So. I need to make as a pitcher and as an athlete going into the off-season, and then uh, come back next year ready to compete. What was the explanation
1: from Pedro Ethan and, and anybody else involved in that decision as to how those small wins might be more achievable out of the bullpen versus the rotation?
4: It would kind of be you know less of a pressure filled role for me. You know, You know, I've I've been working really hard to combat my struggles this season with, you know, Uh, the days in between starts. And a lot of times you can sit and stir in that a little too much, Um, whether that be physically overworking yourself or, you know, throwing more and more to try to find something or if it's just just overthinking. Um, And I've kind of done all of the above this year at various times. And to be able to be down there and have to be ready every day and not allow that to become something that's an obstacle, um, I think is something that they think will be a little bit uh, less stress for me and just focus on what I need to do on the ground. I think I'm capable of doing that in the starting rotation, but it is something where it's like... I have to go get these guys out, and that's priority number one. Yeah. That should be priority number one, period. But I think that's a learning adjustment for me, and they're giving me a chance to learn that.
1: You've talked a lot about the, the mental side of the game and the emotional side of the game and how that's factored into your season this year. What kind of progress have you made on that front? You know, it's very evident sometimes that you're frustrated out there. How, do you, how have you kind of made some progress on that front
4: from, from maybe early in the year to now? Yeah, I think... Um, You know, I think it's one thing when, you know, you're not having success and you're struggling a little bit um, or vice versa rather. If, if you're having success and you have a game where you struggle and you get angry or emotional you know it's a part of the game It's uh, the guy's fiery, he's a competitor um, and when it seems to be the pattern of the season and you're having a pretty struggle for the season it becomes an obstacle it becomes an uh, A distraction for the team when you act that way and I've tried
0: to
4: I try to keep myself under control despite the fact that I am um, pretty infuriated with how my season's gone definitely disappointed um, but I'm trying to not bring any more um, distractions or negativity to the team so I think in the past few weeks albeit I'm not excited about how I've fished in the past few weeks either um, but I've kind of taken and Taking a step back on having, uh, having blow ups, which is something that, you know, it's nice to be able to be in control of something when you're in a game like this where you ultimately don't have very much control of anything.
1: Yeah. What kind of is your outlook on the offseason? Uh, Pedro said that, you know, they envision you as a, as a starter next year. What is your kind of outlook on the off-season as to what you need to work on and, and what your work is going to look like as you prepare for next spring?
4: Yeah, I mean, if, um, if, if that's going to be. It's old going in the offseason, and I'm going to continue to work as a starter in the offseason. So it'd be a lot of, um, you know, stamina-based training, and you know that. the The idea of working on pitching is going to be the same regardless. I'm going to work on stuff and command, and um, you know, throw accordingly. But, um, you know, as far as if I'm training as a starter or a reliever, there's certain adjustments that could be made. But overall, the idea is to come into camp in the best shape I can be in to be able to help this team win in whatever role that is.
1: They, Pedro's made it pretty clear to us that they think you're be a starter next year. Have they left it a little bit more open-ended to you? Is it anything's possible kind of situation? Or?
4: No, not necessarily. Um, they have uh, told me that I'm going to come back with a starter, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, just keeping keeping an open mind about what this game is You never know what can happen like i'm i'm just Like I said, trying to be as prepared for next season as possible with whatever that has to offer.
1: You mentioned some things that might be seen as a positive when things are going well can end up being seen as a negative when things are going poorly. Do you think that applies to the team as a whole, too? I mean, so many people are, you know, latching on to this, that, and the other
4: about you guys. Is it kind of just a a byproduct of what the record looks like, do you think? I think that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I don't think any team out there is perfect they probably all have their issues but when a team is winning a lot of that will go unnoticed and when a team is losing you know, there's a magnifying glass on everything that's going wrong um, and you know maybe rightfully so you, you want to clean up as many of those areas as possible and maybe winning teams have a lot less of them but um, at the same time um, us being as prepared to win a ball game as possible and going out there and capitalizing on that I think uh puts a lot of the issues to rest. Uh, What do you look at from a team
1: standpoint as you guys go into this offseason and and into next season? I mean, how beneficial will the record going back to 0-0 be? And and do you think that some of the stuff you're hearing from Pedro and Chris in the front office will will help you guys move forward?
4: Yeah, I think think they're right where they need to be as far as – you know, finishing the season as strong as we can, and moving forward to next year. Uh, a fresh start would definitely be great for all of us, um, especially those of us that have struggled and those of us that have had pretty good seasons. Um, I think those guys will you know, ride that, uh, ride that into next season. You know, with a little bit of uh, motivation on their back to help us win, you know, more ball games and help us be a competitive team. Um, and like I said, same for the guys that haven't had a great season. But uh, you know, I think we're all looking forward. To a you know, fresh start and being able to really show what we're capable of as a team.
2: Oh boy, we are also looking for this fresh start for the White Sox. Um, I don't know if the CHGO White Sox podcast needs a fresh start, but we'll talk about it in the offseason. We'll regroup. Uh, but I don't really want to talk about that until April. Um, I do <laughs> want to mention uh, and give a shout out to Fred. Uh, the audio and video clips this year have been awesome, Vinny. Uh, so thank you again uh, for always showing up to Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, even when we're not doing post-game shows like Saturday, um, <laughs> you're doing the fans a uh, great service. So uh, check out Vinny's uh, article up at allchgo.com. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff in that with Kopech what stuck out to you the most it seems like he is going to be a starter in 2024 and we've mentioned like it does seem like the shape is important to him the stamina um, again like we talked about him not being able to go six innings um, it seems like it is about I'm just going to try to be the most ready for 2024 I don't know if I'm going to be a reliever or a starter I'm just going to be a pitcher who shows up to spring training
1: well, I mean, listen, there's definitely something to be said about keeping it simple, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of players have success with, with that. Um, and it kind of goes into, I guess, what my biggest takeaway was, was him kind of shedding more light on this move and why they did it. And really, when you hear Michael Kopech explain kind of the thought process, it, sound, it makes a little bit more sense, doesn't it, Herb? I mean, he's sitting there saying, listen, I was overthinking things so much in the four days between my starts that it was making it impossible for me to to make any corrections you know he was he was trying so hard he was we always say you know uh when a guy when a guy when a hitter is struggling trying to go up there and hit a eight run homer with one swing it seems like michael kopech was trying to do that on a daily basis in between his starts um and so the idea that Go out to the bullpen. You have no idea when you're going to pitch. You can, it can happen at the drop of a hat. You don't sit and stew in it. You don't sit and think, "Oh my God, the next time I have to go out, I have to do this, 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 and this." And you have four days, uh, you know, to to just kind of rack your brain like crazy. Um, and and that makes a little bit more sense given the things that he has struggled with this season. Um, I thought his explanations on uh, you know the mental and the emotional side of the game and how that has been just as tricky for him to master this year as anything else um, was also interesting him, you know, revealing that he is mad. He's not happy. I mean, obviously we saw it the other night when he's slamming his glove in the dugout, but for him to just sit there calmly and say, I'm pretty infuriated by the way my season has gone. I mean, you know that, you know that it's sitting with him, you know that it's bothering him kind of all the time. And I I think anybody can relate to that because this is his, his job, his life. Right. So, um, those two things are very interesting to me in terms of the future and what that looks like. We got another one today, this morning, just an adamant insistence from Pedro Graffol that Michael Kopek is going to be a starter next season. He's going to come up to camp as a starter. Um, you know, and obviously Pedro has been very insistent on the whole, everybody's competing for every spot and everything. And that's coach speak and that's fine. But um, you know, Michael Kopech might be in a situation depending on what Chris Getz does this year where he is competing for a spot in the rotation, given how poorly things went this offseason. I know it's kind of crazy to think because we look at the starting pitching situation and we say, well, he has to be a part of this. And certainly the way it stands right now, he does, but who knows? We don't know what Chris Getz is going to go do and getting, even getting some sort of middling starting pitcher is better than trotting a guy out there with a five and a half ERA every, every day so, or every fifth day. So um, we'll see what happens. And Pedro did bring up, you know, kind of throwing a qualifier in at the end. Uh, he's a starter, he's a starter, but if that doesn't work, he's versatile and he could go to the bullpen kind of thing like that. So those doors are open and, and, and I don't think that, I don't think that, you know, Pedro said he's not even thinking about that yet, that possibility. I know other people are, given the performance, but I truly think that he's going to start the season as a starter next year. That being said, though, the door is open if another season like this happens, if another group of results like this happen, um, for him to be used in a different way. Because I think they're going to try to get everything they can out of a guy who they think has immense talent and immense potential still.
3: Now, his results, Vinny, don't really lend itself to being a bullpen guy because he walks everybody. and, And like you brought up, the first innings in his this year have been horrendous. So if you're a bullpen guy, that's what you're dealing with, only first innings mostly. And so I would want, and hearing how he sounds, he sounds defeated. And probably had and he had the lofty goals of pitching 180 innings this, this year which we kind of scoffed at because he had never even come close in his professional career to doing that and so you know I understand the frustration the anger that he feels because as you said it is his occupation it is his job and he wants to be better than he has been but also it's up to the White Sox if you bring up a good point right there for him to be established role if he is just thinking about every start, the four days when he's not starting, it's not helping him out. As the bullpen is we're a place where he can just do mindless type of uh, pitching, get with Liam Hendricks if he's still going to be on the team, to find the way to forget about the outing before, to flush it that quickly. Other bullpen pitchers can do that also. That would be more of a thing I would look for because trusting him to be another, a year next year to be a starter when you've had a horrible year this year and another development year next year is foolhardy for me. Yeah. It's a lot of people you have to go and get for starters instead of three, but I think established, Hey, Michael, you were good in 2021 when you were in that hybrid uh, reliever slash spot starter. How about we go back to that? How about you're that guy and you can give us a start every once in a while if somebody gets hurt, but we're not going to depend on you being the starter because his voice in I don't know why I'm not there. I can't read him and I didn't see him there, Vinny. but he sounded defeated to me from the jump.
2: Well, at least the, about the defeated part. I mean, cuz he said not trying to bring any negativity or distractions, not trying to have any blow-ups, and then he had a blow-up. I mean, was that like a ticking time bomb thing? Like like cuz we haven't heard a ton about Kopeck being negative it, it, like before this or like having blow-ups before this. So, I mean, you, you feel free to answer Herb's question.
1: Well, I think well, will address a few things here. I think Herb, when he was talking to me, he was talking to me about negative stuff, right? He hasn't yeah. done well. And so, I mean, we see this all the time when a player, you know, you, you'll see that when a player has a bad game, you're talking to him and it's like you're talking to him at a, at a wake or a funeral sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, again, they had a bad game. It's their job. They did a bad job. Okay. You're not going to be sitting there joking with them all the time necessarily. So I understand that. And, uh, you know, after that interview was over, I was chatting with Michael about, off the field stuff, you know, regular, everyday, how you doing kind of stuff. And he was fine. And he was talking fine. So, again, neg- the subject matter, obviously, I'm sure he's sick of thinking about it. And I'm sure he's th- sick of talking about it. Um, when he went out onto the field, though, Sean, you're right. He did the thing that he said he was trying not to do. He did the thing that he said he was, uh, he, he thought he had made progress on doing. He, he he had an emotional blow up in the dugout. It was over in two seconds, but that's what happened. Um because the game went so poorly for him. It, it went awful. He, he, he has been pitching very poorly this year. He, and, and it seems to me from talking to him, from hearing what he said, that everything he's tried has, has failed to solve this problem. And so uh, it, it, it probably feels like banging your head against the wall at, at some point. And, you know, I can understand where frustration is going to come from when not only are you not getting the results that you want, but every single time you've tried to fix it, it has not, it has not worked. And so it's like, you're, you're exhausted, you're exasperated, you're frustrated. I, I mean, I, I get the way he feels. I, you know, and, and I think, I, I don't think people should be taking necessarily that as a sign of problems with him. I think that would happen to any number of players. It's just, this, this is where it's gotten to him in a very, at the end of a very, very bad season.
2: And I don't think blowups are bad for athletes at all. Like I I'm, I'm fine if uh, an athlete's frustrated, um, I will we'll go to tennis uh, at the U.S. Open. Coco Gauff won her first U.S. Open uh, on September 9th. And uh, Sabalenka was the woman she defeated, Irena Sab- Sabalenka. Um, and there was locker room video. She walks in very calmly. She's holding her racket. She walks in. She walks over to the you know kind of side where I think she doesn't uh, she thinks no one can see her uh, but there is still camera on her and she just goes over and she just breaks the hell out of her racket and she throws it in the garbage can and I think Locked she off. just needed to get it out of her system it's moving on and there's going to be another tournament next year there's going to be another you know single to win you could try to grand slam it next year but you just have to have that blow up like I don't know if I'm really frustrated or like I just feel for Kopech right now yeah like that's the thing it's like you say, you know, possibly moving him back to a hybrid in 2021. I think that would absolutely crush a player. Yeah. I think that this is a guy that seemingly knows what he needs to do. He needs to get his stamina up. He needs to be ready to throw six innings every single night. And I, I think that it, there is that probably giddiness to build up to the five days. But even in the, the, um, the interview with you, Vinny, he said, um, be, I'm trying to be ready every day. And I feel like there was kind of even a tone that he was just like, I don't know. I wish I was kind of being a starter. And he said, I think I'm capable of doing that in the starting rotation. If he does all this work in the offseason and he works in spring training and they're like, eh, you know, we're going to move you to the pen. I think that's stupid, especially with the lack of starting pitchers that they have right now. Um, I was watching the one Oh eight guys on Thursday and B brought up a stat about game score for starting pitchers. Um, and this is from 2022 to 2023. If you want to flash this, Steven, um, If you look at the top 10 game scores, and again, 50 is average for game score. Um, So if you go to 100, like, that's really good. Um, Those are, like, perfect games, 20Ks, uh, et cetera. Um, Michael Kopech has four starts in the top 10 more than anyone else. I think Dylan might have three. Uh, No, Dylan has four. So him and Dylan have four uh, of the eight or eight of the uh, 10. Um, But, I mean, Kopech is a guy that has gone out and posted. And we've talked about those. Uh, starts where he goes out and you know eight innings one hit like Mm -hmm. there are times where he can see it go into the hoop and he's shooting it from like 60 feet out and he's like you know hitting these incredible shots I don't think that the White Sox are in a position where they have pitchers to knock him out of the rotation and I think that especially with him making 25 starts last year 25 starts this year he better be going on a hell of a, rock, a lot of, like, Rocky montage, beach running, you know, get that stamina up with your, your own Apollo Creed. Um, like, let, let's go. But I have faith in this guy, and I am I just feel really bad that his confidence is shaken this much. But it is on Ethan Katz, Pedro Grifol. Like we just said with that clip that we played from Pedro earlier, if you are about, you know, growing and developing baseball players, here's your shot. Because this is a guy that on paper has all the stuff. On paper has gone out and had great starts as a major league starter. I don't think any of us, Vinny, me, you, Steven, think that he's a bullpen guy. I I think that in 2024, he deserves a little bit more rope to go out and try to be a starter. If he gets his stamina up, I think that he can do it. Because he started hitting a wall in like June or July this year.
1: I think he's got to stop walking, guys. That's what it comes down to. I mean, you can talk about stamina all you want. Your pitch count goes up when you lead the American League in walks, and that's why you can't go. That's why you can't go deep in into games. Dylan Cease today, Dylan Cease today should have thrown like eight innings, mm-hmm. and he had like thirty pitches in the in the one inning, and he had to come out of the game. He ended up throwing up – He he really was fine, but six innings, he throws one hundred and six pitches. How many times before this has it been five innings and that many pitches? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, and he walks a lot of guys. That's what happens. You, if you throw the ball in the strike zone a little bit more, you're not going to th- use so many pitches. You're not going to have to be out of there in the middle of the fifth inning. Like, you know, I mean, I- I'm not saying that you're wrong, Sean. This is a guy who obviously has had a very strange path to where he's been, misses two full seasons. And, and it's, it seems like they've been spending two and a half years, three, three years, quote unquote, building him up. Right. And, and, but he should be there by now, and I think he right. thinks he's capable of being there by now. The reason your your outings are over after four and five innings is because you lead the American League in walks. That's why. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: I, I agree. No, 100%. But, like, uh, like two, I just don't know if he has the guidance to get him there because it's like it seems like the player's there. It seems like we've seen success stories with Cats before. Um, I would even just right off Giolito. I mean, go look at Carlos Rodon getting paid. Um, like, it seemed like there was successes there. But I, I find it very odd that they still moved him to the bullpen. I'd rather see him starting than Jose Ureña, um, whatever. But I think the most concerning thing that he says is a win for you. You know, like, I'm moving to the bullpen. I'm trying to get wins. And the first thing he says, my velocity is up a tick. That's a win. Well, no, no shit. I mean, you're throwing less pitches. You have more of a gas tank to go out of. Like, that's just sensible. And if that's like the wins you're trying to get, like you have him start something. have him start and have him pitch only 3 innings. Hey Michael, you're going to get capped at 60 60 pitches. You have 60 pitches to go make the most out of it, but you're still going to be in your starting routine. Like I I still just don't understand this move to the bullpen and I don't understand or believe that he's going to have the right and proper instruction this offseason to get him to a point where he needs
3: to be an actual starter for this team. It seems like he they've exhausted all avenues with cats and the pitching staff. But sometimes there's a different voice you hear and it can, you know, spark whatever's inside of you to, okay, yeah, I get it now. And I'm not saying fire cats. They have like three or four different hitting coaches on staff. Why not another pitching coach that's there, another voice to give to Michael? Maybe that unlocks him to where he's throwing strikes. because it's not about not wanting to throw strikes. I'm sure he wants to get these guys out and he doesn't want to walk and lead the league in American league in walks, but it's obviously not clicking right now for him and what Katz is telling him and the different scenarios he's going through. How about you do this? How about you do that? How about you do that? And it's not working. And that's why he's frustrated. That's why he's throwing his glove during the game on Friday, because he's like, what the hell I do? I'm doing all the stuff that I've been told and I'm doing it right and still the results are this so maybe a different voice in the clubhouse for him specifically to get him unlocked because like you said when he's great he's great he's well, at the one top thing, of the league
1: one thing Pedro said today it was and i think i put this in the story i'm not don't remember exactly but he said this morning he go in in talking about their belief in kopek as a starter what they're going to put in to him being a starter he says they're going to exhaust every possibility to try to get him in uh, you know to be the pitcher that they envision that he can be and he mentions we're going to use every resource in the organization we're going to use every resource we can find outside the organization to to try and turn him into that pitcher. and so maybe there are some plans to, to hear from different voices and try new things and try different things because this is a guy who they have believed in for seven years. Seven years ago, they made that trade with the Red Sox to bring him over here. They believed then that he had the potential to be a top-of-the-rotation starter for them, and I it sure sounds like they still believe he can be that guy. The thing is, it's been seven years, and that's kind of ridiculous to think about, but they need him to be that guy starting in March because they don't have it because between now and then they'll have some more pitchers, but right now they've got him and Dylan Cease. So they need those two guys to perform and perform really well next year.
2: Yeah. The quote you included, he's going to come into spring training to try to win a job in that rotation. The great thing about him is he's versatile. We've seen him do both starting and relieving. If one doesn't work, he'll fall into the other. He won't fall into the underbelly of the bullpen. He falls into the leverage side of the bullpen, but I'm not there yet. Um, so we'll see what the offseason work looks like, but I hate that quote. He's a starter, and I get that you're trying to say, like, he'll win a job, and even Kopech I feel like has a really smart understanding and an understanding of, hey, you know, baseball's going to have its ups and downs. He said that uh, with you, Vinny, on Friday. Um, but I, I think it would be a mistake that after seven years you, w- you wouldn't you would let him give a chance in the bullpen or in the rotation to start uh, the year. Like, here, maybe put the pressure on him to try to make the rotation, but – if he's not one of the first five starters, like who is?
3: I mean, if they, I mean, are you gonna give Nick Nostrini the rotation spot over Kopech? No, like, but if I they go know. out and sign three, will they? They won't. But say, I wouldn't say, hey, we're gonna leave a spot open for Michael Kopech. There's a guy available that is gonna cost you not that much money, and as Vinny says, every fifth day he's major league average. Might take that over Kopech. I don't know.
2: I mean, even with flashing the stat of him being in the four of the top 10 uh, game scores, if you look at game scores under starts under 50, uh, scores under 50, so bad starts, uh, Kopech leads since 2022 uh, for the White Sox in 25. Lance Lynn's second with 2020. Uh, with uh, Kopech's got 25. Lynn's got 22. So, like, hey, I mean, blow up the, the Dodgers found a spot for Kopech. I don't know. I think for Lynn, I feel like Kopech's got a spot somewhere, but... We'll see. Um, Vinny, thank you for your work. Thank you for the audio this weekend. Uh, make sure you read that piece at allchgo.com and follow Vinny at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer, giving you a thumbs up on the bottom of the screen. That's mm-hmm. Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at actorwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader, and I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We'll see you tomorrow uh, for more White Sox baseball. Thank you Stephen Steven Nicholas for producing the show. Bye.